Well, let's go to prayer here and let's ask for the Lord's blessing. Lord, we come to you this morning and, and just are thankful that we can gather together. We're thankful that um, just that you're in our midst here. Thank you. It says where two or three have gathered together in your name. You said, there I am in their midst in a special way. We know theologically you are everywhere at all times, but there's something unique about your people gathering together in your name. And so, Father, we just pray that you be glorified by our time here, uh, not only our time of, of, of singing, uh, worship through singing, but also worship through um, us uh, just submitting ourselves to your word and, and uh, loving your word and wanting to learn from you and hear your heart for us. And so, Lord, we also just pray, God, you be glorified through our time afterwards when people are hanging out and they're talking. Would you minister, Lord, would we we would use uh, the various gifts that you've given us to minister to one another, to encourage one another, to admonish one another, to love one another. Whatever's needed, Lord, give us grace uh, to say what's needed to be said, Father. And so, uh, Lord, we just ask this in Jesus' name, and I, I pray that you'd fill me now. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, the title of this message might seem somewhat presumptuous, uh, what Jesus prayed for Darby Creek, but I'm very confident in this, okay, uh, that Jesus was thinking of the believers here at Darby Creek when he prayed uh, in John chapter 17, verses 20 to 26. So you can see this as, you know, he, he, he was thinking ahead of all who would believe after, um, the, after his disciples were long gone, okay? And so um, it's, it's a fascinating prayer. And so that's what we're going to focus in on today, though, is uh, what Jesus prayed for Darby Creek. And uh, I'm going to read these verses uh, aloud. And um, it's sort of tradition in our church that we stand for the reading of the Word of God. If you're able to stand, would you, would you do so? If you can't, that's fine. Um, but uh, I'll just read it aloud this time, and you just listen, okay, instead of reading in unison. So this is God's Word. He says, uh, this is Jesus uh, praying, He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you are, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. In them... I and them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see me, uh, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is the word of the Lord. Please have a seat. Now, you know, this is the longest recorded prayer of Jesus. Uh, 
well, not just the portion that we had, but there in John chapter 17, there's, uh, we're kind of coming in on the tail end of it, all right? So if you do happen to have your, your Bible or have a device that has a Bible on it, uh, just open up to John 17. We'll, we're in verses 20 to 26 this morning. But if you were to kind of outline uh, the overall prayer, again, we're just looking at a portion of it. The overall prayer has Jesus praying for himself, because okay, he has yet to go to the cross, okay, and so he has some things to, to pray about there. And then uh, he prays for his disciples that are there with him at that time, okay, uh, and then uh, for those who will believe. And that's that's what we're focusing in on, uh, those verses uh, 20 to 26, where he's praying for those who would believe after them, which includes all the believers at Darby Creek Church. And so that's how we can say Jesus was praying this for us. Okay. Now, um, this prayer has become to be known as Jesus' high priestly prayer. I don't know if you've ever heard that or Maybe you even, there might even be a title at the, on the section in the Scripture in your Bible that you have where it says Jesus' high priestly prayer. And um, interestingly, um, you know, and, and it kind of makes sense that it's, it's known that because um, a couple of things. One is just that realizing that the Old Testament priest was a type or a model, if you will, of what Jesus would do when he was to come. Okay? Uh, two things in particular, Jesus would make the final sacrifice for them. Right? He offered himself up as a, living, as a sacrifice right? on the cross, dying in our place for our sins, right? and then were, uh, subsequently then resurrected from the dead. But so he, and, and the priest, you know, back in the Old Testament, the high priest would go in there on the day of, uh, of atonement and make uh, an offering for the sins of all the people, right? Um, and uh, he would also then intercede for the people. And of course, what is Jesus doing for us now? One of the things he is doing, he is praying for us. He intercedes for us. Um, and usually the high priest would pray for himself and for his immediate family circle and then for all the people of Israel. And so it's interesting that in Jesus's prayer here in John 17. It's kind of fashioned that way. He prays for himself. He prays for the um, disciples there, those who would you know, become the apostles as well, and, and then uh, pray, prayed for us, you know, the rest of the people who would believe. Okay, so I just think it's kind of interesting to note that, that that's what it's called, called uh, the high priestly prayer, and that's why. Now, uh, in this passage, Jesus kind of um, has a foundation or a basis by which he's praying this. In other words, you know, uh, he has a, um, I can't think of a better way to say it, but the basis or the foundation for which he prays. If you look in verse 23 and verse 24 in the passage again, where Jesus says, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. And then in verse 24, so kind of emphasizing, even as you loved me. So that's God the Father's love for the Son, right? And then in verse 24, Father, I desire all that they also, whom you have given me, may be 
uh, with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. So it's Jesus coming to God the Father on the basis of the Father's love for him. Okay, the Father, because, because you've loved me. And, and it's, it's kind of strange for us sometimes to think about that. I mean, it's not hard to think about a, a father's love for a son and a son's love for his father. But when you acknowledge the fact that Jesus is God and God the Father is God and, and, and they have this perfect um, unity and love for each other within that trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, and so, but it's on that basis that he comes before God and makes these requests is the Father's love for him. The Father's love for him. Now, um, turn, turn to Psalm chapter 2. Psalm 2, verse 8, if you will. Take a look at that. I don't have it up here on the screen, so you'll just have to actually use a Bible. <laughs> so, you know, Psalms is right kind of towards the middle of most Bibles, and then I'm going to look at the second verse or second chapter. Again, kind of looking at the basis on which Jesus is praying this, the foundation from which he's praying this for us is God's love for the Father. And then um, in verse 8, Psalm 2, verse 8, if you look at the, the title of the psalm, it's in most Bible, it says, The Reign of the Lord's Anointed. The Reign of the Lord's Anointed. And it says in verse 8, Ask of me. So this would be God speaking to the anointed Jesus, um, you know, kind of uh, through through uh, the psalmist, right? Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, and the ends of the earth your possession, right? Well, don't you see this is what's happening, right? As 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 people come to faith in Christ from all over the world, through all over these decades and centuries, that you know. Um, God the Father is giving the Son nations, right? That are coming to Him, coming to faith. And every tribe, every tongue, every every people group are coming uh, to faith all over the place and at various times, right? And and this is really being fulfilled, right? Ask of me, He says. Uh, the Father says, "Son, and I will make the nations your your heritage." Or in other translations, says your inheritance, and the ends of the earth, your possession. So it's kind of on that basis, God the Father's love for the Son, and this basis of a promise that God's saying, you know, the Lord, Lord, these are the one, God the Father, you're the ones who's given these to me, and I'm praying uh, on that basis. So what does he pray? Okay, uh, so what is Jesus praying for as he um, goes through these few verses? Okay, so we, we've seen that basis there, uh, the Father's love for Jesus and Jesus' love for the Father. But the first thing he prays for, and I'm sure you picked up on it many times through the passage, was praying uh, for our unity, praying for our unity. That, you know, he says there in verses 21 and 23. In 21 he says um, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So he says that they may all be one. And then you see it again in verse 23, right? He says, um, 
I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. And so, you, you know, you just can't miss the theme of unity. Well, what kind of unity is he talking about? I mean, is he saying that all the Baptists should get together with the Presbyterians and the Episcopalians and the, the Methodists? Or, you know, he's saying should should scuttle all the denominations? I don't think so. I think really what he's getting at here is not about organizational unity. Um, because, you know, one of the reasons we have all those differences, there's just different ways to worship, right? And obviously, you know, some there's there's uh, differences of of what um, the scriptures say on certain key things, right? Um, but but I really think he's he's really not getting at organizational unity. He, he's really getting at something much deeper, right? Uh, a oneness of heart and a oneness of mind, uh, for sure. But um, let's not talk about out there. Let's talk about in here, right? Let's talk about unity within uh, the body of Darby Creek Church. Um, there's a quote I want to share with you. Um, it's by Bruce Milne, who wrote a commentary on uh, John, the book of John. It says, The biggest barriers to effective evangelism, according to the prayer of Jesus, are not so much outdated mo- methods, uh, inadequate presentations of the gospel, um, as much as realities like gossip, insensitivity, Negative criticism, jealousy, backbiting, an unforgiving spirit, a root of bitterness, failure to appreciate others, self-preoccupation, greed, selfishness, and every other form of lovelessness. That's quite a list, isn't it? Um, You know, he's saying, um, you know, these are all the enemies of effective evangelism. He says it's not so much about your methods and having a great presentation of the gospel as much as it is that uh, people are turned off by the lack of love that's going on inside the church, uh, lack of unity. And so um, I, think that's, I think that's true. I think that, you know, we have to make sure that uh, we're really modeling um, love for each other, uh, forgiveness, um, because we are human, we're going to hurt each other, we're going to not appreciate each other as we should at times. And so, you know, um, every Christian ought to be uh, a regular confessor of sin <laughs> and repenting from sin. I mean, it's just this ongoing uh, confessing and repenting to one another because we're because we will sin against each other and not not always intentionally either, right? And so um, it takes humility to do that, though, right? To actually admit that you're wrong. Um, how many people, this will probably date you, uh, remember the Fonz? Hey! Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and what is the one word he could never say? I'm wrong. He, he would always say, I was... He could never say he was wrong, right? That was the thing. Uh, and, and if you don't know who that is, just look it up on YouTube. Happy Days, the Fonz, okay? You'll find it. Uh, it, it. But we have to be able to say we're wrong to each other, okay? And sometimes, a little secret, you don't know when you're wrong. What? You know? I, and it's true, right? We've got blind, we've got blind spots. 
You know, just like when you're driving, there's that blind spot on either side. You just can't see when the car's right there. Same thing spiritually. We have blind spots, right? And that others see them, I know, just like any, it's obvious to them, but you don't get it. And so we need uh, one another to lovingly, in the context of relationship and community, to say at times, uh, hey, you know, you've got a thing there. That blind spot in your, you know, spiritually speaking. There's, um, and, and usually it's, it presents itself in opportunities because you get hurt, you know. Or somebody says something that's hurtful and they don't recognize it or recognize it as such. Um, so, um, so you just have to, have to really be careful, right? Um, and again, admit our faults. Admit it because we are going to hurt each other. It's going to happen. You know, praise God, every believer has the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> Um, because I think really the Holy Spirit helps this thing work, okay? Helps our relationship. You know, you can throw uh, people in a church that are so vastly different from one another in their likes and in their dislikes and this and that and the other, and yet still be united for the cause of Christ. That's going to take the Holy Spirit, okay? And and so we thank God for... um, you know, the third member of the Trinity there, the, the Holy Spirit, because um, we have the Spirit. And, and, you know, you think about this, and speaking of the baptism, you know, uh, and we, I mentioned this a, a few weeks back regarding something else, is that, you know, when you become a, a, a Christian, uh, you are united with Jesus in his death and resurrection, right? You've, the, the, um, you've died to sin, you're now alive uh, to God in Christ, right? And, and, doesn't mean you're not going to sin anymore. It just means uh, sin has been dealt a death blow, and it, it no longer do you have to. Does, is it master over you in that in that way? Okay, and so, um, but we are united with Jesus. It's such a strange idea, but a biblical idea that when you believe, you're we're all united to Jesus. Okay, we're one with Him in a sense, uh, and so doesn't it make sense then that? Um, we should really work at maintaining our unity with each other because we have this the spirit dwelling in all of us as believers, right? That we should work hard at that. And 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 that's really my next point is that you have to work at it. Right? I, at least I've just found if you really want to have a good close relationships in the church, you're gonna to have to work at it. Um, in Ephesians chapter four, verses one to six. It says, there, uh, Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And, and listen to the, some of the qualities he says. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to, listen to this one, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And read it again. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It says, There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so, I, I just encourage you, uh, implore you to maintain 
your unity, that when you are offended or you are hurt, and after prayer that you consider that it's not some log in your own eye that's causing the issue, that it is, uh, in fact, um, something that's been done to you uh, in word or deed, that you go to that person and you, in love, uh, express what's happened and uh, see if you can um, work it out. You know, if you can't work it out, maybe somebody can help you. So, but these things have to be maintained. Um, much like if you're married, you, you have to maintain, you have to keep short accounts, or you drift apart. Right? So, this is a big part of Jesus' prayers, is he would want Darby Creek to work hard at maintaining the unity that he's brought us into through his spirit. Okay, It's our flesh that gets in the way, you know. Um, um, but you know, that's the way it is until the Lord comes back, right? All right, now, the other thing to mention here is that uh, Jesus prayed our, our, uh, our love and unity would result in more people believing in him. Uh, did you catch that there in those same verses, 21 and 23, where he says, you know, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me, right? So that you may believe that, that, that you have sent me. It's like, you know, um, our love for each other and our ability to maintain unity and work through things uh, is a means of witness to a watching world, right? And so that if people come into our midst and they come and they visit and they start to hang around and they see the love we have for each other, though it's not perfect, it's still genuine, and, and, and the willingness maybe to work things out, um, that it's a witness and people, um, God will use that to draw people to himself. Okay? And that, that shouldn't be a surprise. Because so many people, when you ask, you know, well, why don't you go to church? Um, because, you know, you, you really run across a lot of people these days that will say, I, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. Right? Well, uh, we could talk about that, uh, but but usually it's because something happened. You know, something happened to them. They were hurt uh, or misunderstood something that even came across as hurt or legitimately hurt, um, or even you know abuses of power, um, position. Those things you know unfortunately happen in the church as well, and so. Um, it would be good to, if you run across someone like that, to, 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 to lend a listening ear and to say, well, you know, um, the church is imperfect, um, and I'm sorry that happened to you, um, but, you know, not every situation is that way. I mean, yes, there are imperfect people in, filled in every church, right? You find the church where it has all the perfect people in it, don't go in it because you'll totally mess it up. Because you're imperfect just like they are, right? That's what I'm saying. Because it doesn't exist, right? So, um, but, you know, listen, I think it's important that, you know, because some people just need to know it's, it's okay, that happens. And I'm sorry for that. But, but you know, God doesn't intend for it to be that way. And, and he, he, Jesus died for the church. And he, there's so much blessing that you can receive by being a part of um, this, this body that he has designed to carry out his mission, right? He's really designed us to be in this covenant community as believers. 
Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take a little uh, detour here that's related to this idea of, of how our love for people can really have a huge impact for Christ. Um, so uh, Linda and I, Linda got an email from Lifeway.com um, this week about a Voice of the Martyrs movie that was being offered for free for, two, for three days, March 4th through the 6th. So today is the last day you could watch this movie online for free. Uh, it's called Sabina, Tortured for Christ. Uh, the Nazi years or something like that. Um, I won't tell you the whole story, but, but basically there's one scene. And, and interestingly enough, this takes place in Romania. And, you, and the Ukraine is mentioned and all this stuff. So this is back in the late 30s, early 40s. Okay, um, and. Um, one of the things that happens is that Sabina, this woman, uh, her, there's a, a Nazi, a, a local person in town who got converted to be a Nazi, which would happen, right? They'd go into these cities and these countries and try to win the hearts of young people and sell them on these lies and hatred and all this kind of stuff, right? Well, this one guy, they kind of show in the movie how he transforms into just you know, a killer. And um, turns out he killed Sabina's family. And uh, this soldier was staying in um, a, uh, an apartment that, um, where, you know, near where, a, well, actually, I guess this, they ran into this soldier and, and uh, Sabina's husband, who's a pastor at this time, um, invites him up to the house and doesn't, doesn't know at the time it's the person who killed Sabina's family, but through the course of, this guy gets drunk and everything, and through the course of the conversation, all this stuff comes out. And, and um, the, um, the, the husband, Sabina's husband's trying to kind of witness a little bit to him, and he's like, I don't believe in any of that stuff. And... Uh, I can't remember exactly how he says it, but he says, if my wife came out of here knowing that you killed her family and she cooked you a meal, would you believe it? He says, that she'll never do that. Who would do that? He goes and wakes his wife up out of, out of sleep. He doesn't ask her to cook him a meal. He doesn't say anything to her other than the fact that there's a man here you need to meet. And he's the man who killed your family. So she, of course, you know, you know, it's shock, and then she, and then what she does is she makes a beeline for this guy. She grabs his face, and she kisses his cheek, and she says, I, I, I love my enemies because Jesus died for me. And if he can forgive me, he can forgive you. And it was this powerful, powerful. And just, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, I would probably would have grabbed my rifle. You know, I, I just, you know, being a sinner that I am, I just would have. But the Spirit of God was filling her, and she just, and this is a true story. The whole the thing is a true story. And, and so, um, just, just do not underestimate the power of living a life uh, before people. Uh, just loving them, you know, yes, proclaiming Christ, but also demonstrating that love. Right? In this case, it was forgiveness. Loving your enemies. 
right? I've had a few bosses, not here, that I would say were kind of an enemy, you know? You ever worked in an environment where you're kind of hostile, you know? Um, and so, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I get some amens out there. I hear that. It, it, you know, you, so you just, you know, or I've had some professors that actually was an enemy of Christ and definitely came after me, made fun of me. Um, but I used the power of the pen. Uh, I hand, had a handout in rebuttal to all of his things because uh, he wasn't going to give me airtime. So, but I could get there before class and hand out a handout. Anyway, so you, we just got to hand out a handout. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you know, and it wasn't like mean. It was just like, I, you need to hear the other side to this. You know, and it wasn't, anyway. Um, so the point is that we all have people that, you know, we, we just kind of put in that enemy category in some fashion. Right, and that um, just this just this whole thing that you know Jesus praying that our love, our unity, would result in more people believing in Him, and and don't underestimate that. Don't underestimate. You know, inviting people to uh, your small group or to church or to a prayer meeting. Don't don't discount that. You have no idea what God's doing in somebody's life. You have no idea if they would say yes or no. Um, just to invite them, because you want to get them around people who are loving each other, right? That's what you want. You want them to see that, okay? All right. So, um, now the the very last thing I want to mention here is that um, the last part of Jesus' prayer here is Jesus prayed that we would complete our mission and be with him in glory. When you look at... um, I mean, we'll look at the, the verses uh, 24 to 26 here. Let me just read them again because it's been a while. Um, his Father, I desire that they also whom you've given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name. And I will continue to make it known to them that um, the love with which you have loved them may be in them and I in them. And so there is this prayer, right? There, there in verse 24, the part of the prayer, he says um, that, he, that, they, that us, that we would be where he is. He says that they may be with me where I am. And Jesus' heart and desire is to be with his people, right? To gather them together. And that's it's going to happen on, on a day in the future, right? And so, so he's praying about that. And then he says, um, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. You know, nobody, we haven't really haven't seen Jesus in all of his glory, right? No, no we have not seen... We haven't seen what that was like before the foundation of the world. And he's like, Lord, I want them to be there to see the glory you have given me, right, before the foundation of the world. And, and so uh, he's, he's praying uh, for, for us to be with him in heaven and that we would, we would see that glory there. But we have a job to do, right? We have a job to do here now. And that, I'm convinced that's why he has not come back is that, um, you know, there's so many more people that need to come to Christ um, before that day. And um, I, I want to close with um, 
will be a familiar set of verses from anybody that knows this church very well in our roots, uh, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Um, but it's not, ni- not verse 19 that I'm going to focus in on today, which is like probably what you might think. So let me read them again. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's verse 18. Then verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Then verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Think about kind of the, if I could call them the bumpers of of that Great Commission, what's known as the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus said. And then he gives the command. What does that stir up in your mind? Knowing that he's saying it, you know, to these disciples. Imagine one of those disciples and he's saying, all authority has been given to me, now go and make disciples. What would you be, might, you be, might you be thinking? Yeah, it's important to him. He's like, I, before I'm giving you this command, I'm just reminding you, I'm in this position of authority. How about also that it's like the king sending you out on a mission, man. And I'm going in the name of the king. You know, all authority has been given, you know, to Jesus, and he's and he has sent not just these few there that he was talking to, but if you actually apply that message and see the multiplication in it, you see then that we also are commissioned uh, with the authority that Jesus has, has sent out too. And so, um, it it gives me encouragement, um, and it, and it also tells me, you know, this is Jesus telling me to do this. So I, you know, I got no problem doing it. You know, if somebody doesn't like it, then take it up with Jesus. You know, I always told my kids, I always told my kids, you know, if you're at a party somewhere and things are going south, you know, just tell me your parents called and you had to go home. You know, make me the bad guy, right? Whatever you got to do to get out of there, just make. I don't care. You know, make me look as ugly as it could be. You know. Uh, and maybe that wasn't hard for them. Um, but <laughs> uh, No, I'm just teasing you. I'm very confident in who I am, and we're good. Um, hopefully not overly confident now, right? <laughs> yeah, poor, y'all are just feeling for Linda right now. Thanks for you. Um, but yes, I know you always have. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But just just think about that. That, you know, the next time that you have opportunity to in some way give witness to Christ, that all authority is, in a sense, going with you because he's commanded you, you know, you, you know he's commanded you to do this. And, and um, it should be an encouraging. It also should be encouraging that last verse, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, right? Through his spirit, he's in us, right? To the end of the age, till he comes back, right? And this mission that he has sent us on, um, and to be faithful to is just so much on his heart because he doesn't want to see any perish. He tells us that, right? We know that God doesn't desire that anyone would perish, but it's going to be their decision to accept or reject Christ, right? And so, um, in, in, in closing, again, let me just say, don't underestimate the power of prayer when it comes to being a witness, okay? Pray about your day. Put it before the Lord. 
um, look for those uh, what some would call divine appointments right? and to see um, what might happen as you as you uh, just love on people you know so many things just happen by just starting a conversation right? um, you know what would you say to a stu- no, I'm like, well, what would you say to a student that said my parents just kicked me out of my house so I couldn't get my homework done that happened to me and so I'm just thinking, of course, I don't know the reason why, and, and you know, I'm not the parent, whatever, but I'm just thinking, God's working here. Something, something's going on. Um, but I always have my small group pray over my classes. So this is no accident, people, okay, that God's bringing opportunities, okay? All right, let's, let's go to the Lord and pray here. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that uh, you have given us uh, a glimpse into the prayer life of Jesus and specifically what his heart is for us as believers. And that we've seen that um, his, his heart there, that we be united and as one. As, and he even gives that model as there's unity within the Godhead between the Father and the Son, that unity. Uh, He's saying that's a model uh, that the believers ought to have, this love for one another. And even in John chapter 13, you know, he says, you know, I give you this new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. God, just fill us with your spirit that we might love one another as we ought to love each other and to also be on our guard and to maintain unity, as it says in Ephesians 4 so that others would believe. Others would believe. Not only is it it's the right thing to do to love each other, but we also pray that as we do that and as we try to live that out day to day, that, that others would observe that love and believe in Jesus. Much like, as I mentioned, the, the witness of Sabina, there, back in the 1940s, and her husband just been loving on people, bringing jam and bread to people that didn't have anything. And then, and it just really gave them an opportunity. We ask that you would use us for your glory. Father, we long for the day that we will be taken up with you in glory and be able to see Jesus in his full glory. As he has planned. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.